Welcome back to the Bowie Bay Sox podcast. Paul Fritschner alongside Adam Pohl. And Adam, right now we are witnessing history for the Bowie Bay Sox, sitting with a record <laughs> of 20 right. and 20 and five. This team cannot be stopped right now. They are winning game after game after game, seven in a row as of the time of this recording on Friday morning. And Adam, Let's just start off with what you think is the most impressive thing about this team right now. You know, the thing that uh, surprises me the most, or the most impressive thing uh, is really the fact that uh, they're able to score so consistently. You know, we, we had some really good ball players come through Bowie in the last few years that were outstanding offensive players. But none of them really walked all that often, right? When you think about guys like Mullins, Hayes, and Mountcastle, if there's any nit to pick with those ballplayers, and they're great players, uh, if there's any nit to pick, it's that when you look, they're kind of guys that are league average. They're above league average, batting average, but they're league average or slightly below league average on base percentage. And uh, so they don't walk much. And... Um, this Bay Sox team is just full of guys that, that showcase such outstanding patience at the plate. I think um, Adley Rutschman for Oriole fans is, is the person that so many are focused on on this Bay Sox team offensively, and he stands out, you know, above all others as far as uh, the ability to work a walk. But it's not just Rutschman. I mean, and, and when you look at Vavra, Rutschman, Dorian, Escara, Hudgens, these guys can all. Uh, have excellent eyes at the plate, and because of that, the Bay Sox are a team that, number one, is getting on base more than any other in their league, and then number two, uh, hitting as many home runs and extra base hits as anyone in the league, and you put those two together, and, uh, you know, you're scoring a lot of runs, so this team's scoring a lot more runs than I thought they were going to this year. Bowie has walked 124 times on the season. That's second in all of AA baseball. They're tied for first with a 354 on base percentage in all of AA baseball. The base Sox have scored 152 runs. That's the most in AA baseball, and they have driven in, well, RBIs, you would think, because they've scored the most runs. They would also hold that title, too, and they do at 139 runs driven in. So all the way around, and, and even the slugging percentage, Adam, too, it's not like they're just walking and, you know, get them on, get them over, and get them in. The slugging percentage for Bowie at 439, that's fourth in AA baseball. This is not just the right. league. This is AA baseball, all 30 teams. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, this new age of baseball, right? When we talk about analytics, uh, you know, on Bay Sox broadcast in 2019, at the beginning of this Elias regime, you know, a big conversation was that the analytics are a little bit more forthright as far as how it affects pitchers than hitters. So we saw immediately this enormous jump in strikeouts, this different approach to how you use your fastball and pitch sequence, and it was extremely effective. But what we're seeing this year is, you know, this new way of playing baseball, the death of the single. And what I mean by that is the Bay Sox are walking a ton and they're, and they're hitting a ton of extra base hits. So it's not taking three, three hits to score a run, right? You're seeing no. two walks and a three-run homer or, you know, <laughs> two walks and, and a 
bases clearing double. This is kind of the way the Bay Sox have been. It's not like they're not having any hits at all because they are. Uh, it's not like they're a substandard team as far as batting average is considered. Uh, but the Elias regime believes that batting average does not matter. And what matters is getting on base and, uh, and slugging. And uh, most importantly, you know, that's what is going to lead to runs. And we're seeing it. You know, the Bay Sox are, are kind of a league average, batting average team. And they are a top of the circuit team in scoring runs, in walking, in extra base hits. And uh, so we're starting to kind of get a feel for what the Elias regime is going to look like uh, offensively. And when you start looking, Orioles fans, right? Okay, who are the free agents? When these players start to come to the major leagues, right? When you get a Rutschman and, and some of these other ball players that we've been talking about uh, to join the Mount Castles and the Hazes and the Mullins, when you get them together at the major league level, what are they going to look for in the free agents that they bring in? What are they going to look for in the guys that they're going to sign to that second contract? And I, I think that you're starting to see it, right? I mean, it's going to be a lot of guys uh, that can hit for power uh, and get that can work a walk and get on base. And that, that kind of profiles a lot as an Elias-type player. Uh, and that's why uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch this and to see this come together and to try to get a feel for this new regime and this new era of Orioles and now Bay Sox baseball. And I rattle off all those stats that Bowie leads in double a baseball and they. You look at how this team is playing right now and they've played 25 games. The vast majority of teams have played 26, 27 games. Only five teams have played right. less than 26 games and Bowie is one of them and they still dominate in all of those categories. But like you mentioned, Batting average, not necessarily a priority. And the team's batting average now at 247, that's a little farther down the list. But still, it's just, I believe, 10th in all of double-A baseball. It's above the league average. Yeah, it's Way above, above the league average. Way when above. You look at the major, when you look at the major league average, uh, major league baseball teams are averaging hitting in the 230s. And in our double-A Northeast League, I can't tell you this second, uh, but it probably didn't change much in the last two days. But the, the, the average was 236. So it's somewhere in the high 230s. So, you know, 10 points above the league average is, is pretty significant. So the base Sox are, you know, they're getting it done. They are definitely getting it done. And, you know, we talk about these surprises, Paul, and I, I want to know your opinion on this. Because another big surprise to me is that you're seeing the base Sox not having their starting pitchers go deep into games. That is that that's on purpose. Okay. They're almost every night throwing in essence, two starters a game. You're seeing a lot of guys that, that have worked five appearances and have three starts and two relief outings where they've gone in long relief. So the base Sox are going by this piggybacking method in which their starting pitchers are never going beyond five innings. And still, even with that, they're having such success on top of the mound. It shows the depth uh, of pitching uh, that this uh, team has right now. It's not just about a few guys. I mean, the guys that you would think of ninth, 10th, 11th on this base like staff are really having great success. Yeah, for sure. And to circle back, the Bay Sox 247 average is ninth in double A baseball. But yes, Adam, as far as the pitching goes, 
Grayson Rodriguez comes out for his double-A debut. He throws five innings, gives up four hits, one run, two walks, and eight strikeouts. And then what happens? Kevin Smith, who leads the team now with a .86 ERA after this outing, he comes out of the bullpen and throws four innings of shutout baseball and gets a save. And that happens the next night, which was last night. That happens again where the starting pitcher Ofelki Peralta throws five innings. He comes out of the game and out of the bullpen comes Cody Sedlock. He throws four innings and gets a shutout uh, or, or a scoreless appearance as Bowie gets yet another shutout on the season. So when you look at these guys that are coming out of the bullpen, and that's something that I asked David LeBron in the interview that you'll hear coming up in this podcast. I asked David LeBron about how he likes starting versus coming out of the bullpen. And actually, I don't know if I was just talking. I I may not have been recording uh, when I asked David this question. I think we were just talking uh, in our conversation. So just to make sure that uh, I make, I get this in there. David was telling me that, between starting and coming out of the bullpen, he likes the routine of starting, but coming out of the bullpen, he likes the adrenaline rush that it brings. When you come in with yeah. a guy on base, a one-out situation, whatever it might be, he likes coming out of the bullpen and knowing, okay, here's what I have to do. Here's how I have to ac- execute it. And like the last two nights with Smith and Sedlock, they know exactly what they have to do. The team spots them a little bit of a lead. Kevin Smith only had a one-run lead to work with. He held it down. Last night, Cody Sedlock came in with a two-run lead, and they gave him two more runs to work with. But still, it was a fairly close game. And what does he do? Doesn't allow a run. That's two straight nights the piggyback pitcher doesn't allow a run. Well, yeah, you think about it. So the starters and the starters being uh, almost eight or nine guys right now, if you really went through it, are having great success. But even some of these relievers are, are pitching uh, pretty well, too. Uh, and they have been very well rested. When you look at guys like Steve Klimek, uh, like Nodden, like Tyler Joyner, Irwin. I mean, there's just a lot of depth as far as the Bay Sox on the pitching side of things right now. Uh, it, it's interesting because we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but you've got 28 uh, active players. And what the Orioles have done is they've just basically put three extra pitchers from the previous 25 on the roster. So Justin Ramsey, Baysox pitching coach, has a lot of guys to work with. And they've really split up the innings. You know, they're not leaning on these starters to go six, seven innings anymore. They're going four or five innings, and they have the depth to be able to still get it done. I mean, and, and it's been really impressive. I think Oriole fans really want to know a little bit about uh, uh, these big standouts here early on. Grayson Rodriguez, uh, Paul, was making his first start uh, of the year this year. You called it. Uh, what did you see from Grayson? I, it seemed like uh, he had to kind of get his feet wet a little bit, but once he did, he, he was dominating. Yeah, he acknowledged on 105.7 yesterday that he struggles in the first inning, and I thought it was interesting hearing him say that. He, he said, you know, it's sometimes it takes a little bit of time for me to come out and get adjusted to the mound and settle into my rhythm, but – he said, once I do, I really can start to get it moving and, and get it grooving on the mound. And, and he did that exactly in his first start on Wednesday night where he threw five innings and he allowed a run in the first inning. It was earned. And then in the second to the fifth innings, he strikes out eight batters. He strikes out two batters in the second inning. He struck out all three outs that he recorded 
in the third inning, gets two more strikeouts in the fourth. And what he was doing, Adam, was he, he was locating the fastball, but then he was getting the Hartford hitters to swing and miss at his breaking ball on balls that were way outside. And that speaks to how right. sharp the breaking ball is, right? I mean, these balls were not even close to the zone, but they were starting in the zone. So they look like a strike for 50 feet. And then all of a sudden, the last 10 feet, they're bouncing through the opposite batter's box and the hitters have no chance, but they're swinging at it anyway. And it was just impossible for them to hit. And once he settled into his groove, I mean, he worked around a couple of hits, exited having allowed four hits total, but really you could see why so many Orioles fans and, and the organization especially are so excited about him right now. Yeah, you know, for me, Grayson Rodriguez, um, if there's a word that I think the, displays and describes what he has been in the Orioles organization, both on and off the field, I just think it's been maturity. You know, it just seems like he's mature beyond his means, right? He's young for his age, uh, being for his level is what I mean. He's been pitching at, at levels in which he is much younger than the competition. Uh, but it just, you don't see any signs of that at all. I mean, he's been handling it with a plum. I mean, he's, he's completely in control. He's harnessing his stuff. But in the same regards, it feels like no matter what level he has been at, that he's a step above. So it's going to be very interesting to see as he progresses here, faces some different ball clubs, uh, you know, how that goes for him, how consistent uh, he can be at the double-A level. And uh, if he's able to do so time and time again, uh, how quickly he's going to rise to becoming a fixture in the Orioles starting rotation. And I, I don't think there's any reason why that can't even be uh, next year in 2022, which is extremely exciting for, for Orioles fans. Um, so, you know, in the same... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, go, you go ahead, Paul. You know, I, I was just going to say along those lines of guys that are exciting coming up through the line here, you know, you look at guys like Johnny Riser and, and Joey Ortiz promoted up and they're making some noise really quickly right away. Joey Ortiz hitting a home run the other night. Johnny Riser has been on base a lot in his first few games here in Bowie. So I think there's a lot to be excited about both on the mound between Rodriguez and then in the lineup. You look at Rutschman, you look at Dorian, Riser, Ortiz, Vavra, all the way down the lineup. Newstrom with a 476 foot home run. I'm talking to him here in a, in a few minutes. Uh, just everybody going crazy right now in this lineup. Yeah. You know, I think let's talk about the new guys a little bit. They've, they've showed that they're ready for this level, right? I mean, uh, Ortiz looks very good defensively at both second base and short. Uh, and he's had a very strong start, uh, especially in the double header on Sunday in his debut. He probably should have had a walk-off double, in his first game, but a ball snuck out of play and it turned into a ground rule double down the left field line on a ball hit with a runner at first that would have won the game. Um, and Riser, I, I like Riser's approach at the plate. He's a guy that hits the ball to all fields. He's a ball player. They got almost no signing bonus and he's still showing that he can really, really play. It's been a, a fast riser, pardon the pun, hitting better than 300 at every level. And he showed why in his first game, three hits, and he had a hit to every field. I love guys that hit to every field, especially in this era of shifting when guys that are pull heavy hitters can have so many hits taken away by the shift. If you're a guy that can slap that ball around and hit it to every field, 
It's a big advantage in today's game, and Riser is that type of hitter. And uh, I think that uh, we have to talk a little about Caden Grenier uh, here speaking uh, this week uh, because, Paul, it's just been unbelievable uh, what he has done going into Friday night's uh, uh, ball game with 13 hits in his last six games. He has five multi-hit games in his last six games. He has three home runs. The man is on fire. I mean, look at what he did last night, Adam. He goes out there and he has two doubles, a single, and a run scored, and he gets on base. And what he does is he gets on base to set the table for the top of the lineup, which is exactly how the Bay Sox got some insurance last night when Grenier reached on a double in the seventh inning, and then Vavra came up one batter later and had a two-run home run to make it a 4 nothing game. No doubt about it. And the thing that, that we talked about here from the get-go in this conversation is Bowie being an outstanding offensive team. And what, what do great offensive teams do? You know, they score runs all over their lineup. Grenier's been doing this as the eight or nine hole hitter. Now he keeps doing this for a few more days. He might not be the eight or nine hole hitter much longer, but, but it's really been remarkable because the Bay Sox are getting enormous productivity. I mean, they've had the best hitter in the entire league this week, batting eighth or ninth in their lineup every day. That's incredible. And uh, we're so happy to see it for Grenier. Uh, you know, the, the things about Caden is he's been a very good defensive infielder uh, in his first few years, but he struggled offensively. I mean, he's a first-round draft choice here. This is a big guy uh, in the Orioles organization, uh, and uh, what he's showing right now is, uh, hey, you got to take me seriously and put me back on your, your prospect radar because I can play. And it, it's exciting to see, and uh, Grenier is, uh, I mean, he, he's really a phenomenal defensive ball player. The play he made it short deep in the hole in the ninth inning last night was spectacular. And he showed his outstanding arm strength by backhanding it deep in the hole. He had to throw it so quickly flat-footed, and he still put it on a line chest high into the first baseman. And uh, what a dominant play. Uh, He's been an incredible ball player this week. Adam, any final thoughts here before we get into our interviews with uh, David LeBron and J.C. Ascara? We just want to let you guys know, thank you for joining us on the pod every night, you know, game summary type of thing. We are going to give you a lot of player feature interviews. We're going to try to get you, let you know what's going on uh, here in a conversation like this, more in depth uh, here twice weekly, and then give you some player focused interviews. And we hope you enjoy it and continue listening. Thank you so much for being with us. Adam, thanks so much. And we'll see you next time here on the pod. Make sure to rate, subscribe, review, all of those good things, and here, enjoy the interviews with David LeBron and J.C. Ascara. David, thanks so much for taking the time today. First of all, how was the trip up to Hartford, and uh, how excited are you to get started and try and continue this four-game winning streak that you guys are on right now? Uh, yeah, it's been fun so far. You know, we got in yesterday, uh, a lot of good vibes on the trip up, you know, a lot of cars being played on the bus. <laughs> Um, so it was a fun trip, you know, went by quicker than I thought it was, um, you know, weather's been great up here. So look forward to kicking off a series tonight. Well, you mentioned the weather you're from Florida and you're pitching here in Bowie on Sunday in like 50 degree weather on the last day, well, the last weekend of May, <laughs> you're probably not used to that. Uh, how much did you have to adjust to that? 
Uh, yeah, definitely not ideal. Um, <laughs> however, you know, you got to embrace it, you know, go out there and, uh, and have fun and, you know, just execute some pitches. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case in the first inning, but, um, you know, we'll make our adjustments moving forward here and, uh, you know, get right back after it uh, this week. Sure, you threw two innings uh, in that game, but so far in the year, you, you've been pretty reliable for the for the Bay Sox. And one of the things that I think Adam and I have talked a lot about is how well you're throwing your changeup. Um, it seems like you're throwing that really well this year. Can you talk a little bit about how you're developing that pitch and what you're working on there? Uh, yeah, that was a pitch that um, I did not have at the beginning of my college career. Um, I kind of actually had to like, manipulate the ball a little bit as far as like with pitch grips um, and try to see what worked best for me and my arm slot and my release points. Um, so I thought like a split change, um, not the most conventional way of throwing a change up. Um, however, it's what helps me spin the ball the best um, and get that, that fade on it as well as the speed differential. So was that something that you adjusted you know, you talk about adjusting it through college and stuff and now your professional career. So how much have you tinkered with that as you've come up through the ranks in the minor leagues? Um, till this day, I still, there's always a, there's always a, a fine point where you can kind of like get to the pitch grip that you want, but there's still days where, you know, your ball's not spinning the way you want it and you still have to work through that. Um, so one thing that kind of helps me do that is kind of long toss with my changeup. And by long toss, I mean roughly around like 120 feet or so. Um, that allows me to kind of not push the ball, knowing that it's a farther distance. So I have to kind of like really get out there with my arm and my uh, my release point just to get the ball to my throwing partner, which allows me to get to gain speed once I move into 60 feet. Sure. Yeah. And how do you feel like the changeup? You know, a lot of times you talk about how the changeup sets up other pitches, right? Especially your fastball. How well do you think throwing that pitch for you this year has helped you to, you know, set up your breaking ball or set up your fastball or something like that? Uh, definitely plays uh, with my fastball really well. Um, whether I'm throwing in the low 90s or, or, or you know, mid 90s, um, as far as re referencing to my fastball. Um, I think the change up being able to take some speed difference off of it as well as get that fade, it really helps me kind of like uh, tunnel my fastball with my change up. So a hitter, you know, if I'm doing the change up, a hitter sees, you know, he's reading arm speed. So if he sees fastball arm speed, you know, they're going to swing out the gate. Um, and that kind of helps me get those swings and misses, uh, you know, through the zone. You're part of a really, really great pitching staff in Bowie so far this year. You guys are locked in. You're turning out great performance after great performance. How much fun is it for you to be able to be a part of this staff? And how much do you learn from talking with everybody else about what kind of adjustments you're making and what you're all are doing together as a unit to become better pitchers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, staff here is uh, staff, both hitting and pitching wise, is really loaded. Uh, it's been fun to watch, fun to be a part of. Um, day in and day out, you're just seeing guys go out there, execute their pitches, have fun with what they're doing, and just absolutely dominate. Um, it's been fun to watch. Uh, every every series, we're pretty much just taking it in as like we're in a playoff series. So six game series, you kind of go out there, win four or five, you know, maybe sweep a team, you know, if we can. Um, so it's just casually just casually win four or five games yeah yeah it, it's fun to watch I mean the guys here we take it one day at a time you know we go out there whoever's pitching that night you know we get after them get behind them and you know try to put up some runs and you know kind of take some pressure off of the pitcher as far as like 
hey, just go out there, throw your game, pitch. Um, but the staff here has been really fun to watch, be a part of, um, you know, pick each other's brains in the bullpen throughout the game, um, whether it's pitch grips, pitch development, you know, what works for one guy might not work for somebody else, but at the same time, a, a cue that another guy might have might help you out as far as like your pitches and your development. So you talked about some of those adjustments in the game, like talking about in your last uh, outing, you know, you come out, you allowed two runs in your first inning, but then it's a one, two, three inning real quick uh, second inning that you come out, out of the dugout. And that was the last inning of the game in that seventh inning on Sunday. So when you're looking at the adjustments that you make kind of a microcosm of the whole season for you and any of these pitchers to be able to make those adjustments, when you're looking in between innings, is that a conversation you're having with the pitching coach, Justin Ramsey? Is that something you're going in the, into the dugout and you're thinking, okay, here's what I didn't execute there, but now this time through the order, here's what we're going to do. Or what were you thinking about in between innings there? Uh, just getting back in attack mode, man. Honestly, um, I thought I knew, knew a few of those guys in that team, um, knew some of their tendencies and I knew a lot of those guys were going to be ambushed swinging first pitch type of guys. So, not to take away from my strengths, but I knew that, you know, if I put the ball in a good spot, they're going to go ahead and get themselves out, especially being ambushed guys swinging early in the count. Um, and I think I try to get too fine with my pitches. You know, they had turned more into starting to like look for spin instead of like just attacking and throwing the ball through the zone. Um, and that's one thing that I think, you know, going to the second inning, I said, hey, look, let me just leave it all out on the line, go after guys and let them get themselves out. Sure. Well, David, thanks so much for taking the time. Best of luck this week up in Hartford and next week in Binghamton too. You got two weeks on the road before we get to see you again back here at home. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's so great to have with us here. JC Ascara. JC, thank you for taking the time here today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, It's really been a lot of fun to watch you play. And uh, I think that you, have a batting style that's almost indicative of, of many of your teammates, players like uh, Adley Rutschman, Patrick Dorian, Chris Hudgens. Uh, you're hitting for power, but you're also seeing a lot of pitches, working a lot of walks. Talk to us a little bit about that. Has that patience always been a part of your game? So, yeah, so the patience has, has always been a part of my game. Um, uh, my track record, you know, I, I – a lot of pitches you know I walk a lot I don't strike out a lot um but you know that's something that you know it's just a skill that you know I've I've maintained and I've gotten better at and um it's really been useful I mean now with the the whole age of numbers and mm -hmm. you know percentages and stuff um you know they're really looking at OPS and on base percentage and all that so it's you know it's been huge you know, JC, people think about it in one way, right? They look and they look at that on-base percentage. They say, oh, wow, this is great. This guy walks a lot. But what they don't think about is some of the other aspects of the game. Because if you take, let's say, a 1-0 pitch that's just off the outside corner, you know, if you swing at that pitch, that's a pitcher's pitch, number one. You probably make it out. By taking it, you get yourself into better counts, and you're able to do what you did on Thursday night, uh, get a pitch to hit and hit a home run. It, there, there's so many aspects of having a good eye at the plate that affect an at-bat, aren't there? Yeah, so specifically that at-bat, um, you know, the pitcher, you know, didn't throw very hard, but he had about four pitches. He had a change-up, mm -hmm. cutter, slider, curveball. Um, so, you know, it was a full, a full count. So 
he elevated a fastball. I'm not sure if he, you know, he wanted to do that, but everything I did, you know, taking taking those good pitches brought me to that moment which he threw that pitch and I, I could put a good swing on it. So it, it does help at the end of the day, um, seeing a lot of pitches. Cause I mean, even in a, in a bat, which is so, you know, it happens so fast. Mm -hmm. um, you get comfortable, the more pitches you see from a pitcher. No doubt about it. We're here with JC Escar, Bay Sox first baseman. And it's so good to say Bay Sox first baseman. You're a guy that had an outstanding 2018 in Aberdeen. You actually jumped over Delmarva uh, but then uh, in Frederick in 20, uh, late 2018 through 2019, I mean, there was no doubt that we were probably going to see you at the end of that 19 season or in 2020. So what was yeah. it like uh, to, to know that you should be reaching double A, which is such an important level of the minors to be a big league ball player and to have that kind of taken away for a year? I mean, you 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 must have been biting at the bit here to try to get to. Boone yeah, for sure. And show for what sure. You can do. So, yes, for sure. I mean. Um... Even even if I did, um, I mean, I, I do believe I, I could have, you know, played here a long time ago, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's out of my control. So, you know, I'm here now and, you know, what I would have showed back 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 then, I'm showing it now. So, you know, either way, you know, I'm still I'm still going to, you know, do my thing on the field and whatever happens after that is out of my control. Lastly, JC, you know, I, I know that in 2019, you're on a, a sub 500 team in Frederick. Uh, I don't believe you had a winning record in 18 in Aberdeen. I mean, being a part of a team that is winning, like you guys are winning right now, uh, with uh, the Orioles where they are with a lot of really exciting young ball players in the major leagues, but they're not winning yet. And there's a feeling like when your group, when, when your uh, group yep. reaches the major leagues, you might be able to push that team over the top. It's got to feel so good to be doing what you're doing at the double-A level right now. For sure. And, and that's that's all part of a, a rebuild. So we're already starting to see it in the minor leagues. And um, especially here in double-A, you know, this core is, is what's going to be the winning team, um, you know, the next couple of years. So, I mean, I can't wait to get there with these guys and, you know, keep doing what we're doing here. But just bring it, bring it up to the MLB.